here. Welcome to the program. And we, let me just get up the, we are joined by Dr. Cardalyn Graves. Dr. Graves coordinates a National Healthcare Coalition conference call consisting of healthcare leaders, physicians, and legislators. Dr. Graves has been a part of citizens vulnerable and at the mercy of governments that do not have our interests in mind. Uh, Dr. Graves, I believe that you were a part of that um, group of doctors who uh, stood at the steps of the Supreme Court and discussed various modalities that might address the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, including a drug that we cannot mention the name of. <laughs> and the reason we can't uh, mention the name of this particular drug, and everyone knows what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. is that if we do mention the name of this drug, then the thugs over at YouTube might ban my program. Unfortunately, oh. I don't know if so you know I have that. to go. I have to go beep. You have to kind of imply, or we can use um, initials like HQ or something like H that. What about HCQ? HCQ, I think, is permissible by the commissars over at YouTube. I know that today, apparently, um, Twitter, and I'm getting a lot of information about this from fairly big people, including Mark Levin, who is a talk show host that I respect. They have banned for a week um, any Twitter account that mentioned data that was copied directly from the Centers for Disease Control website. So you know, it's getting that bad in terms of the censorship. Um, I don't really understand why they are censoring any talk about the, the virus in this way. You would think that um, information should be made available, especially good information, things that are positive. Um, but of course, that brings up a lot of political questions. Anyways, uh, let's talk about, um, about what you were doing in a euphemistic sense in your advocacy or what you are doing? Well, uh, it started uh, a long time ago, as far as I'm concerned. It seems like years ago, but yet it was just in January uh, of this year. Uh, a group of us uh, actually saw what was coming from uh, China, which would be the COVID, as we know now, of COVID-19. Uh, we began to do some research and uh, as we were researching uh, not only this virus, but previous uh, SARS uh, viruses as well, and COVID viruses. And so we went back and we took a look and we did see that Dr. Uh, Anthony Fauci uh, had certainly done some uh, antiviral work back in the late 80s uh, and 90s on HIV. And so, uh, of course, that being uh, a virus, we looked and uh, saw what he had used, and he had actually uh, used uh, HCQ uh, at the beginning because there was not anything else. Uh, he also had used uh, the um, medication uh, for uh, actually SARS-CoV-1 and also for MERS. And he had touted HCQ uh, as a wonderful antiviral um, that was accessible, it was not expensive, and that it could be readily given uh, to multiple patients as it is across the globe every single day mm -hmm. by millions of people 
who take it as an antiviral, or not an antiviral, an anti-malarial or a um, malarial treatment. In fact, uh, across the globe, there are many places where HCQ is on the shelf, uh, probably next to your toothpaste. You don't even uh, need to see a physician. And it's given uh, to children, to pregnant uh, women, and it's given uh, to the elderly. It's given in all age groups and in all comorbidities. Now, uh, my research indicates that this particular drug, HCQ, derives from quinine water naturally, and that it has been used since time immemorial to fight not just malaria, but all sorts of viruses. In fact, um, I'm, a, I'm a student of history and I was looking at um, the, I, I'm, I'm doing a particularly a, a research on Jewish history and I discovered that when, when uh, Dreyfus was exiled to Devil's Island off the coast of South America as part of his sentence, his wife, who he had very strong correspondence with, sent him a letter saying, make sure you drink a lot of quinine Make sure you get a lot of, because there's a lot of viruses in, out there to protect yourself. So, and this was late 19th century. So it tells me that, and plus I think the British developed gin and tonic because, you know, when they start to colonize Southeast Asia and Singapore and India, and there were viruses, this is what they would, would drink on an ordinary basis to help combat the effects of viruses. So, it's been known for a long time that this natural substance can protect you from viruses of all sorts. And that uh, it was, it entered into the market as a drug, I believe in the 1930s, and then it was refined as HCQ and improved in the 1950s. It's been an over-the-counter drug, as you say, ever since. Um, it is inexpensive. It is a generic, which means that there's no patent on it. So the drug companies can't make a ton of money from it. In fact, you could buy a full dose of HCQ that could last you for months for just $20. So it's affordable to anyone who goes into a, a grocery store. It's like buying a bag of, of potatoes. Uh, and, uh, and maybe that might be the motivation for why our medical establishment in this country, and I don't want to sound too sinister here, but you know, the, the big pharma wants to make a buck off of this maybe. And so they want to create an expensive drug like remdesivir, which has been a complete flop. And, uh, and they want to charge through insurance companies, you know, people, you know, four or $5,000 for, for the full dose of this drug. You know, so, so there's profit to be made. There's money to be made. I know, I, I'm sorry if I sound cynical because we're talking here not about ordinary profit capitalism. We're not talking about selling a can of peas. We're selling about, we're talking about selling drugs where people are dying and which can save lives. Right. And so I, I suspect that that's part of this agenda. What do you think, Dr. Graves? I think that uh, you're being kind when you say you're you have a cynicism. I think that you're being very kind. I don't think that at all. I think that we need to have truth. And many times truth is not kind, but it is reality. And we need to face the reality that we are seeing, not only in this country, but nationwide. And if we can, if we have to excuse facing the truth, 
then all we're going to get is more tyranny. And so it comes oh. to a point where you have to stand for truth or all you're going to get is more not only of the same of what we have now, but more of it and with greater difficulty. And in, you mentioned the cost. It to, call, to manufacture a HCQ tablet, you, the cost of it is 0 0.05 cents. Mm -hmm. There you go. Well, there now, it is, yeah. You mentioned uh, having a whole, uh, maybe a month of it for actually $20. All right, let's put that up against the remdesivir, which is three to $4,000 a vial. They have done studies in China. It was a small study. It was about only 75 patients. However, they discovered that remdesivir did absolutely nothing without the aid of other medications. Dr. Fauci touted that he had actually uh, done a study with remdesivir and it was absolutely proven to, as far as he was concerned that it benefited patients. However, his idea of a scientific study was very, very, very poorly done because it was a study that showed remdesivir given for five days as opposed to 10 days. And therefore, how, how do you actually judge that, that remdesivir was actually beneficial when you have compared only days of the same drug? He had no double-blind study. He had no placebo. That is not scientific information. Yet, he holds our feet to the fire saying, where's your double-blinded studies? And people don't know this, but the FDA does not require double-blinded studies to approve that a medication is safe. Well, I mean, I think that, again, this is a particular drug that has been on the market since the 1950s, and I don't think there's any question that it is as safe as most drugs on the market. Now, no drug is 100% safe. I mean, there are side effects. You can find that out by looking at the labels of the uh, drugs that might be in your medicine cabinet, and you might be horrified to find out some of the side effects. May I give you an example? Yeah. Dr. Vallette out in Arizona did a study with uh, one of her pharmacological uh, comrades, and they actually studied the side effects and put Tylenol or acetaminophen uh, and put that side by side with hydroxychloroquine or HCQ. And the HCQ and the HCQ had less, less side effects than did the Tylenol that you can buy over the counter. That Amazing. is astounding. And we need to know that. We also need to know that the, the remdesivir has now, we have shown patients after they have been treated with it, they are showing signs of side effects, such as liver damage. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, the list goes on and on. But people need to understand that this is not our answer, nor would be the vaccine. 
because the vaccine also will be very expensive. And I mean in the thousands of dollars. And those who have investments in it, including Dr. Uh, Fauci, uh, as, and also Dr. Bricks, who is also on a board uh, for vaccinations. That's kind of, isn't that a conflict of interest? It would be in any other area, yeah. uh, except this they have made exceptions for. And my, I have no proof of who, this. Who is this they? Uh-huh, that's what I was just going to say. I have no proof of this. Uh, particular incidents, but I do know that uh, our legislators many times are given a heads up by the FDA that there are certain testing uh, uh, things that are coming. Hold on just a second. Sure, gonna... no problem. I'll, I'll just vamp a little bit here. Uh, there have been up to 50 studies done on this particular drug that we can't mention the name of. And uh, of those 50, I think there were only six of them which showed bad results. And those six were when the drug was administered to people in very advanced stages of uh, COVID-19 who probably would not have survived. So there have been a lot of studies already done and that are already on the record. And the second point I wanna make is that um, my understanding is that this particular drug that we can't mention, everyone knows what I'm talking about, is being widely used in Italy, in England, in Israel, in Taiwan, in uh, Germany. And it's also being used over the counter in several Central and South American countries. So it's being used pretty extensively in most of the world, but not in the United States. Well, we actually have a graph that shows uh, that you actually can see where the HCQ has been used, of course, in combination with zinc. That's very important sure. to me. Mm -hmm. And so where it has been used, the mortality and the morbidity rates have been very low. The, the ones who have done the worst are actually the United Kingdom, Canada and the United States. We have done more poorly than actually third world countries around the globe. And the uh, economic uh, downfall of this has been tremendous. Whereas those economies who were able to continue as they were using the HCQ have not done near as poorly as we have, let alone the loss of life. Well, sure. I mean, the lockdown is going to do that. Now, uh, President Trump has used this drug and has stated so publicly. He also made reference to the likelihood that many of the so-called first responders, people who are out there in the, in, the, in the trenches dealing with this disease are also taking the drug. Uh, do you have information about that? I mean, are, are doctors and nurses and medical people taking this drug now? Yes, and so are legislators. Uh, we've known many legislators that have been taking it, even though on the cameras they may not uh, say so or even say that they are backing the use of HCQ. 
And I was going to say that uh, I have a story about um, uh, President Trump using HCQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the late winter, early spring, after we had done some research, we actually, myself and another woman, put a letter together, uh, another a physician who's an epidemiologist, who actually uh, put this uh, together and said, and sent it to President Trump and actually uh, said in that letter, we gave him the research that uh, had been done previously and the findings that we had found as an antiviral, how effective this could be. And we put at the end of this, this could be a game changer for the uh, American people. And we had that hand carried to him by his late brother, uh, Robert. And he hand carried that into the Oval Office. He read it and it was the very next day that that's when the war started on HCQ because he came out for it. So then this is an anti-Trump thing, maybe. That's, that's, I think that does maybe explain the surface aspect of this. Anything that Orange Man does is bad. You know, you don't want to have Orange Man have any kind of a success. You don't care if, if tens of thousands of people die and are killed. As long as it hurts Orange Man, they're not going to support it. I mean, I think that's maybe the surface motivation for this in coat and diabolical and irrational hatred that the establishment has toward Trump to the degree that they're willing to see tens of thousands of people killed in order to uh, hurt him. But isn't that frightening? That it's, it's, it's the most evil. It, have, if this is true, this is one of the most immoral and evil chapters in American history. I think that it's nefarious. I think that as Dr. Zelenko, uh, who is a friend of mine and certainly part of our team, uh, Dr. Zelenko has said that this is a crime against humanity. And I truly feel that those who have suffered loss of life, who have loss of actually physical abilities, because we have found now that those were who were on ventilators uh, early on particularly, are now suffering from permanent damage uh, to their right. lung and scarring. And so it's not something that, that, that just happened just temporarily. This is something that they're going to have to live with. And I'm talking about young people. I know of two brothers uh, who were admitted, who had to be on ventilators. One of them had asthma. Both of them ended up with tracheotomies. And that, particularly the, the, the young man who is 16, uh, has to now live with even more scarring in his lungs uh, as a probability of a, of a problem. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the ventilators are very problematic. I mean, if you go on a ventilator, then in, you actually increase the likelihood that you're not going to survive. And I think that um, that's been shown. I've heard reports that people who enter the hospital, they check their oxygen level. And some people have low and insufficient oxygen levels, but that they, they can survive with that. A lot of people just have that condition, but uh, they're immediately put on ventilators, which artificially pumps oxygen in. And that's actually very damaging and counterproductive um, to, to people. But um, to go back to the issue of this drug, um, you know, I would like to know how many doctors and how many nurses 
even in my own community of Boston, which is a major center for the medical industry and in great, great hospitals, I want to know how many of them are taking the drug. Um, you know, to me, that would be very telling. And, um, you know, I think that um, maybe the reasons why they're banning it besides hatred for Trump is something even more sinister than that. Maybe this is a population control agenda. And I say that, and my one piece of evidence that might suggest that is the fact that in several states, particularly the blue states, if you will, particularly New York state, early on in the virus, um, in the pandemic, they signed, these governors, particularly Andrew Cuomo, signed executive orders ordering COVID-19 active patients to be placed in nursing homes. Now, that was not the federal government. They actually, rep they actually uh, went against the federal government standards, which was to not do this, which was to place, create separate places for COVID-19 patients who didn't have a place to go so they could be isolated, which is what my state did, I believe, Massachusetts, with one exception, and that is the Holyoke Nursing Home. Uh, and uh, the result was that tens of thousands of people over the age of 80 died because they are a very vulnerable segment of our society. Those are the people that should be sheltered. Those are the people we need to protect. And uh, to my way of thinking, this is one of, this is a crime unlike anything that has occurred in the United States probably since, um, I don't know, since uh, the, the Indian in Wars. I don't know. Since the know. Indians. And, we, and, the, and who was it that did that? It was our government who gave the small pack blankets to the Indians. That's right. I mean, this is almost like a, a modern trail of tears. Yes, I mean, it is. This is something that I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they're ever going to be held accountable for this, but we cannot forget this. I mean, we have to hold them. They have to answer in terms of why they did this, and they can't weasel out of it. I mean, they, they're depending on Trump hatred to explain it. They're going to make vague references that somehow claim to blame Trump when he had nothing to do with it. What would happen if you or I ran a stoplight and they took a picture uh, of us and we got the little message in the mail that we had a ticket? We would have to pay the price, wouldn't we? I want to know and that's just a that's just a traffic ticket. I want to know why these individuals can't be held accountable. What is preventing them from being? It's politics, is what it is, and it's politics, by the way, to to bring things up to today. I don't believe that. I believe that it's the American people who are keeping it from happening because we don't know our constitution. We forget even the first few lines of this is a government that is not only for the people, it is by the people. And until the people take that responsibility, then they will get what they deserve, basically, and that's tyranny. And until they're tired of that, and until they say enough is enough, we want these people to be accountable. Those people who lost their loved ones in those nursing homes, is there, should there not be an outcry? Of I, those would, I, I would think that you'd hear from the families whose grandmother and grandfather might have you know, died as a result of this policy. I don't know where there isn't a groundswell of outrage in these states. And it's really New York, 
New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and, and California, all run by very liberal Democrats who uh, deliberately engaged in, in this policy. Well, um, if America has become this insensitive, then we have more than COVID-19 as a problem because well, yeah, I mean, only continue. Now, I want to I get to the present situation with regard to COVID-19. Um, I am very suspicious in terms of why Twitter would, would, uh, would stop and um, deplatform accounts that mention statistics coming out of the CDC. I mean, these are government statistics. Um, and that these accounts do seem to be mostly from conservatives, which brings me up to the question of maybe are they, you know, because they're, you know, because they are shilling for, for, uh, for Biden and they want Trump defeated, are they trying to like dribble the ball on, on the pandemic? Are they trying to run down the clock and keep the, uh, the lockdown in place long enough for the election? with the idea that that combined with looting black neighborhoods and burning black businesses and killing black people in cities is going to help them win the election. Plus the voter fraud involved with mailing out a hundred thousand ballots to the people they don't even know. Exactly. <laughs> I, I mean that you, you've already said it. I mean, you have said exactly what is going on. Now, what about, you're a doctor, so I, I mean, look, I do take this virus very seriously. I do think it's real. I want to be clear about that. And I am sheltering because myself, uh, you know, and my family, we do have some pre-existing conditions. So, you know, my question is, is this ending? I mean, I see that uh, in my own state of Massachusetts, the uh, infection rate is now less than 1%, which tells me that this is no longer an epidemic in my state and that uh, there has been no deaths of anyone under the age of 20 that more i think something like 70 75 percent of the people who have passed away unfortunately are in nursing homes and that on the national level the cdc and again i don't want to get in trouble for mentioning these statistics but they say that the national infection rate has dropped from around 12 percent to about seven percent so is the virus starting to re to recede? Should we begin to come back out of the house again? I mean, what should we do in a practical sense as citizens to avoid let's, a resurgence and to avoid um, infection? Let's go back a little bit, okay? Let's go back to what you had just said prior to this. I wanted to, your viewers to know this, that after the 2016 election, and I just recently talked with an individual who was actually in the boardrooms of these meetings with Twitter, with uh, Google, uh, with Facebook, uh, all of these uh, social media, uh, actually CEOs. And they came together as a group. And I have talked directly with this individual who was actually part of it at the time. And in 2016, after Trump won the election, they made a vow to one another that they would not allow their social media to again be used as, a, as vehicles to assure 
President Trump a 2020 victory. Oh, I've heard this. I mean, I think this is um, actually something that came out in the course of congressional testimony. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that, that, that's right. But, but the, the, the question, that would they stoop to such a low level that they would actually try to stoke fears about a virus in, 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 in service of that? I mean, and, yeah. and, and keep people locked into their homes unnecessarily where they might become depressed or where they could, there could be suicide or there could be people not going to the doctor to get treatment for real diseases. You know, I mean, is that how low they're willing to stoop in order to just accomplish this overtly political goal? Yes. Okay. The answer is yes. If you have enough money to gain from it, the answer is yes. And one of the worst things that we could have done is actually to uh, isolate those who were well. When in the history of mankind, and I know you have heard this before because I'm sure that you've had others on your show, that when have we ever in the history of mankind ever isolated those who are well? And one of the things that we have found in our uh, research is that those individuals who have a vitamin D level of 50 to 75 do not go on ventilators. Mm -hmm. How much sunlight are you getting in your home? Isolated. How much are you really getting? And when Dr. Fauci was talking about the black community being at higher risk, actually any individual with color is at higher risk for this virus. And all he gave them was social distancing. Now, I want to know where the social distancing actually has a double-blind study. Viruses don't jump from one person to another. However, he did not even offer to the Black community vitamin D that they could take, that they could raise their levels and actually build their own immunity. But he did not do that. Not to mention making sure you go outside and get enough direct sunlight every day, even even if it's maybe 20 to 20 minutes or half an hour, to try to get some some UV rays, UV rays and to be well, outside. But is, I see is very important. Shirt on, and if you went outside right now, how much how much vitamin D are you really going to get? You need to be supplemented, and you need to go to your family physician and have a vitamin D run and know that you're in that 50 to 75 range to keep yourself immune protected. Exactly. And if there's one thing we can learn from this whole thing is that we need to improve our health at its source because the CDC, and again, I'm nervous mentioning these statistics because I don't want to lose my show here. And probably I'll wake up one day and discover everything's been taken down. By the way, if that happens, go to Podomatic. Put my name in the server, Charles Moskowitz, Podomatic, where I have a paid subscription. And I have all these programs stored. I also have them stored in my archive. And you can see it there. You can hear it in all the platforms that Podomatic sends it to, including iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. I mean, I have backup. YouTube is not even my main station. So, you know, I'm hoping that, I, I, I mean, I want to continue here, but, you know, under the circumstances, I just don't know. Um, anyway, the, the CDC statistic I'm mentioning is that now they have quietly downgraded the numbers of deaths from COVID only to less than 10,000. 
and that the fact of the matter is that most of the people, therefore, something like 80% of the people who have passed away from COVID-19 are either over 80 years old or they have a serious pre-existing condition, not just a minor one, not just obesity, but they have cancer, they have heart disease, they've got lung disease. You know, a lot of people apparently who are vaping uh, were affected by this. They have immunodeficiencies. You know, so, you know, it, it, in a way, the COVID-19, or like in, in a way other, other flu viruses in the past, was enough to push them over the, over the barrel. I mean, they were already in poor health. Um, I'm not saying this to, judge, to be judgmental. I mean, I have some issues. But they, they, you know, it was the COVID-19 that was the final straw. I don't know if I can mention that or not, but that's CDC, Centers for Disease Control. The media is not reporting this. You know, we don't hear Lester Holt, you know, doing a segment on this, you know, because they don't want to talk about it. Instead, they're, they're stoking the, the panic and, and the flames. Well, you have to remember, and we all have to remember, not just you, but everyone has to remember that a populace that is fearful is a populace that is much easier to control. They will do almost anything. And I have seen now that I have had an opportunity to kind of step back and overview the COVID-19, that this may have been just a practice run on how to actually control a worldwide population. I think that that is very important to see because where do you go in a store that you don't see six foot distancing signs? Where do you go now that you don't see you must have a mask? Why? Who has really proven that a mask makes any difference? In fact, I just heard from uh, a family down in New Orleans, around the New Orleans area, just last night. And they've all been wearing masks at school, at the high school. Everyone has worn masks. Yet there was an outbreak the first week. And then they began to do remote teaching. Mm -hmm. after, after, after they have done remote teaching, then they went back to the classroom and they were all wearing masks. And so unfortunately, other cases broke out within the school. So if masks were controlling our condition, why is it that schools wearing masks continue to have outbreaks? What is it? You know, I also wonder if, if, if younger people, people under 20 years old, there have been zero or, or you know, zero point 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 one percent of, of them who have actually died from the virus, and that yet they have caught the virus and they have been sick for a few weeks and then they got better, uh, why why not, you know, when you see this uptick in, in COVID cases, yeah, they might have a virus. So they go home and isolate for two weeks. You, you protect the older people in the house. You protect the grandparents. You protect the people with, with pre-existing conditions. But to end school is not really right for younger people. I mean, right. it's going to hurt an entire yes. generation. Just think if we all had available to us with the right to try, if we had the HCQ using the zinc, and I, I mean doses, we start, I usually start my patients out with one a week for four weeks. Then I go to one every two weeks. And then one maybe every three to four weeks. Why? 
because HCQ has a half-life of 22 days. And as you take it, it begins to accumulate in the bloodstream and in your body. So you need less of it, not more. And we're talking minuscule type of dosages, nothing like that in lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, which of course is 200 milligrams two times a day. And that is for the rest of your life. And the Rheumatology Foundation doesn't even require that you have an electrocardiogram or any cardiac testing prior to being started on this for lupus or rheumatoid. Now, pray tell me, what makes the difference between those side effects, the very same medication, and then you switch it over to COVID-19? So Dr. Graves, then you are prescribing this, this uh, medicine to your patients and you're taking it yourself, is that right? That is correct. Okay. That is correct. I am. Well, and that means you're, you're a living example, yeah. And have been for months. Uh, we gave it to our own son who came down with COVID-19 uh, uh, and we gave HCQ to uh, he uh, and he was within just a matter of actually a day or two. His temperature went from 102.5 down to normal. And he- Oh, there's a lot of testimony about this. I mean, even like Tom Hanks and his wife, who were one of the first people to catch the virus and even though they cursed it and said, oh, it was horrible, they both took this drug and they both got better. I mean, they might have kicked and screamed because they're part of the establishment and oh, no, no, you know, but they did. And also recently this, uh, this Democratic congressman thanked President Trump publicly uh, because he became very ill and then he took this drug and he was, he was cured and he accredits it. And there's many, many other examples. Apparently uh, Governor Cuomo's brother took it and was cured. I mean, he won't admit that on his liberal show, but you know, this, uh, it, these things come out. So, you know, it is being used and, but they're telling the rest of us poor schlubs out here that we can't use it. You know, I it's being like used by the powerful. On, I would like to do urine tests on all of Congress. I would like to do urine tests on all of uh, the 5013C CDC. We'd probably find out a lot of things from that. <laughs> yeah, probably would. But I would like to see, and Dr. Fauci, Dr. Briggs, I would like to see if they're actually taking HCQ. Well, if they are taking it and they're hiding that, that is despicable. Anyway, Dr. Graves, I want you to let my listeners and viewers know where they can get information about you and your work. Well, they can actually email me at the letter K, Graves, G-R-A-V-E-S, and the number three at hotmail.com. All right, Dr. Carladine Graves, I want to thank you very much for joining me. Very informative. This is the kind of program that when I do a program like this, I really feel like I'm making a real difference because somebody watching this program who might have a problem is going to learn how to protect themselves and maybe get better. So they need to know this. And there's a whole list of vitamins that you should be taking A, Z, and that is zinc, mm-hmm. magnesium, elderberry. You need that to, mm-hmm. as an ionoform to open up yourself for the zinc and vitamin C. All of these are important. And this is something that's very accessible to all of your listeners and viewers. And they can get that over the counter and start building up their own immune systems. Excellent. All right, Dr. Grace, thanks so much.